All right, so you can uh, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, we're going to continue uh, from uh, verse 11 and then through the, through the chapter. And so it's titled, Come and Follow Me. actually 12 well now when he that's jesus heard that john had been arrested he withdrew into galilee and leaving nazareth he went and lived in capernaum by the sea in the terrier territory of sepulon and naphtali so that what was spoken by the prophet isaiah may be fulfilled the land of sepulon and the land of naphtali the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwell in darkness, have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region, in the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the sea, of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, and those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan, this is the word of the Lord. And so I, um, I, I just wa- I wanted to share uh, with you that video we saw about uh, about uh, Capernaum because sometimes when I'm studying, I learn a lot. And from one of those videos, I actually learned a lot about. What does it look like? Where is it? And and one of my daughters, uh, my youngest, she has a. <laughs> it, uh, she asks me sometimes um, about Jesus and about the Bible, and it's like, is it a real place? Yes, it is real. These places are real. We have a historical, geographical faith that we can find where these places actually happen. And so, uh, at least for me, that was also just good to to get on a to get on a map and just to see, like, okay, this is where this is where all these things are happening. And uh, the video did such a good job, and that is pretty small. But um, 
So these are some of the areas. So it's up here with the Galilee, that lake that's up there. It's because later we're going to hear about it. they come from Decapolis and Galilee. Um, th- and Jesus, he in this uh, in the first section, Jesus uh, he moves. Uh, he moves. Maybe he moves away from his, uh, his home. Like he moves from Nazareth to Capernaum. So he's, uh, he he um, yeah he moves from there to there. So you can see that he he moves to a new place. And so this is kind of like so the, the, a lot of the a lot of Jesus' ministry is going to be around the Sea of Galilee sometimes they call it something else but it's often sometimes they call it the Sea of Tiberias but that's because then it's because they're on that side so it's still the same geographical place and so so Capernaum is on the north side there um, and Jesus will talk about these villages and when you read you would see okay now he's walked there now he he's at this place and so at least for me, it's very helpful to have these visual thing uh, aids as well as we see how Jesus does um, um, that he that how he does his ministry, and also uh, I think it's the next slide. Yeah, so um, because there's this like why did I, why does these extreme storms uh, sometimes come? Well, it's because this sea is uh, it's kind of like a funnel where you have uh, high hills and then sometimes violent uh, violent storms will come on the sea um, and that also happens today uh, all of a sudden from nothing could be like extremely violent uh, storms on there so you can see how uh, it's on there and so the people critical people see it is not a sea no it's a lake but when people see it and they're like oh it looks like a sea and, and you also have other, other places they they said like German people and other people call uh, a lake a sea um, so yeah just uh, um, one thing about what we also see Isaiah writes um, uh, Capernaum and at this point is this is not a this is not just traditionally Jewish. There's, there's lots of other people that live there. This is the northern part that was. Uh, no, okay. This is a little bit of a long explanation. But after the northern kingdom, Israel gets, uh, gets deport, deported. Lots of different people come and live in the area. And so at this point in time, uh, Josephus says there's at least Egyptian, Arabians, people from Push. <laughs> Phoenicians and Greeks uh, that live there. So it's actually a little bit of, a, and, and then you also have Romans, of course, that live in this area. And it's it's large enough to have a centurion. It has a, so there is a station of Roman soldiers there as well. So it's a, it's a lot different than Nazareth. It's larger, it's got a lot more diverse people, groups. Um, depending on who you read, it's not the yeah, that doesn't matter. But there's different views on how religious they are, how not religious they are, and what kind of area it is. Um, okay, that's the next part we're going to go to. So that was just an introduction to, like, where are we? What's Jesus doing? So in this place, he is actually moving. He's moving away. And he moves to Capernaum. And he does this after John that we talked about last time. He got arrested. He gets arrested because he he's very honest with the king. The king doesn't like that. And the king's wife, which is the wife of the king's brother, 
that he took doesn't really like John, so he'll be in prison from now on until he loses his head. So Jesus moves moves to Capernaum, and then, uh, as we know, Matthew he is not he is not late to be he is not late to grasp back at the prophets and see what does this mean? What is Jesus doing? What what is go, what is happening now? And so he he writes to us, and here from I, Isaiah he he quotes and says, "The land of Zebulun and Naphtali." The gent also here the Gentiles, uh, Galilee of the Gentiles. There's like a lot of people that are not Jews to live there. They live in darkness. They've seen a great light, and they they have seen a great light. So Matthew is telling us that this great light is Jesus. So this region has been plagued by war, spiritual darkness, uh, different conquerors coming in, uh, Greeks, Romans. And before that, other other people groups have come in to this area and has pushed out the Jews. And now, sometimes we use this, uh, it might be on a postcard at Christmas. Now this light has come. So, uh, not Joseph. Matthew grabs the opportunity and says, this is what's happening. Jesus is coming in to be the light to this region. And then we see Jesus, what we talked about also last time. We, we see Jesus, um, we see Jesus being in the, in the, fulfilling what John said. Like, this is the exact same John said, exact same preaching that John had. Repent, for the kingdom is near. Jesus stands after John and he fulfills what John says. And Jesus starts the same way. Repent. And I, I had that sermon was that repentance is an invitation into something better. Repent, turn from your own way and come and follow, follow God. Jesus starts the same way. Repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. The king is actually here. He doesn't say that, but that's the part. Um, um, but then there's also this part. This is the second. Um, this is the second part of what um, John is. Um, not John. I'm getting confused with the names. It's Matthew. He has two quotations there, and so he has one from Isaiah nine nine one also, and that's the one that we talked about. The light and the, um, so the light has come. So Jesus is the light. Uh, who's gonna? What's what's he going to do? And and Matthew he crafts this very well because we're gonna see at the end of the text this is exactly what Jesus is gonna do. John is probably a little bit upset and a little bit frustrated <laughs> because he's not freed from prison. But we are gonna see what Jesus is gonna do in the end. He will open the eyes of the blind. He'll bring out the prisoners at least spiritually, and John will keep being in the prison. Uh, but we're gonna see that this is who Jesus is. What does that mean? Well, that means what Matthew has been trying to say from the beginning. That Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one they've been looking for. So he takes this opportunity to say, Jesus is moving from one place to another. This means that this is the light of the world that's come. To open up the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeons and from the prisoners who sit in darkness. So that Jesus is that light. And 
And Matthew presents Jesus as this great king. The king that was going to come in the line of David. The eternal king. The one that was going to set people free from the bondage of slave and sindry. <laughs> slave and sin. And restore shalom, peace to the world. Then we uh, then we have this. Uh, <laughs> then we we we, we go to the uh, um, verses eighteen, and and then uh, Jesus is, he's walking by, um, he's walking by these uh, fishing boats, and and he sees uh, he sees these uh, brothers, and so this is about how you fish, like you throw a net, there's things on the corner, so you trap the net. Um, So they're actually pretty long, you can see. Um, and you are, yeah. So it's hard. It's actually a pretty hard work to be a fisherman um, at this time. I don't remember that. But okay. But then Jesus, he's walking there, and he sees these brothers. And then uh, he, uh, then he, he comes to them, and he asks them to follow him. So in some sense, Jesus is turning things a little bit upside down because you know, culturally, if you wanted to follow a rabbi, you would you would go to him and ask, "Hey, can I study under you? Can I do this? Can I?" And and then maybe if you were, he thought you were good enough, you could come and follow. But if you did that, it was a full time commitment. You surrendered all your time. You also surrendered everything you believed. Because he, you are going to follow what that rabbi taught. So, but Jesus kind of turns it upside down, and he goes and he gets the people he wants. It's not the other way around. So he goes out and he he calls to the first two brothers, and then and then uh, yeah, what happens? Let's, let's look. Let's see. He sees them, and he says to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Their response is, immediately, they left their nets and followed him. So Jesus comes to these guys, working hard as fishermen, and he says, come and follow me. They drop everything and follow him. He also said he was going to make them fishers of men. I was like, what? Is that, what does that mean? And so I read somewhere that this is, this is actually not, maybe not attributed to Jesus inventing this, this phrase, but it actually had, um, it was actually a, a phrase that was used to to express a little bit maybe what you're thinking that you will go and you will tell people about what you believe and they would also believe that so that's maybe the meaning of this that they weren't really going to use nets and weights now and drag people in but they were going to use the words that Jesus had to persuade people that this was this was a man worth following. Then 
then they go on a little bit on the uh, what do you call it, on the beach, and they see another uh, couple of brothers, James and John. They're they're there with their father, though, repairing that nets, and he calls them, "Follow me!" And immediately, they also leave and follow Jesus. Now, if you read the other gospels, there's a there's a chance that they actually have heard Jesus teach, and also up here you see he has already been teaching and walking around preaching. Also, Andrew gets Peter at some point and saying, this is the guy. And so here, there's a chance that they actually have heard Jesus and his preaching. And that they have an idea that maybe, maybe this is somebody who's worth following. And then he comes and calls them. And they do follow. But, I mean, of course, I have to ask you this question. And I think you know what it is. What is our response to Jesus? Is it to immediately follow when he calls? Is it to immediately obey every day as we, as we know what he's asking us to do? Here we see these men leaving behind their families and their work. So the call to follow Jesus is a call to follow Jesus first. So where are we for that? How do we respond to that? Are we immediately going, yes, I will follow? And if not, why not? What is there? As I was going through this, and this, this is one of the harder weeks this week, I just it was just not falling into place. I was like... <laughs> I was thinking, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you getting four fishing people? Like, why why are you gathering these fishing people? And somebody estimated that maybe up to seven of them had been fishermen. It's like, why are you choosing those? I mean, I get they have practical skills, and, and they're going to sail across the sail of, uh, not the sail of the Galilee, but the Sea of Galilee, they're going to cross that sometimes. Most of these boats are only though good at very close to shore and not really sea crossing by any means. But what is Jesus doing? Like, why is he gathering these men? Then I was like, well, I mean, they, fishing is hard work, so these are hard workers. But honestly, like, if, if you had to choose a team of 12 people, would you choose four fishermen as the first people. I mean, they don't have social, political, or religious status or power. So what is Jesus doing? Well, he's showing that God chooses who he wills. And that is great, because there's no hope for all of us. If Jesus can pick the 12 people he picks... No doubt that he could also pick you. But why did they follow? And why would we want to follow? Maybe they did hear him preach. Maybe they heard them, yeah, the repent sermon come, the kingdom is near. Maybe this is the Christ they would be thinking. Maybe they'd been honored and they actually excited when Jesus called them. 
And also for us, why would we come and follow? Matthew lets us and their, us know right away that that the choice the four the, the two set, the sets of brothers made was the right one because right after right after we see that Jesus is traveling through the region and he's fulfilling exactly what Isaiah said He, was, he started out walking. He was teaching in their synagogues. He was welcomed in the beginning. Oh, I have a synagogue. Uh, oh, that's his fame spreads in all Syria and Decapolis, which means ten cities. Oh, there it is. So he, he gets to speak at different synagogues. Just a little bit about the synagogue system. The synagogue system is... Um, you know, it's kind of like an online church. No, it's not. <laughs> but it, there was supposed to be only one worship center, and that was the temple. But the, when, the, when the, the Israelites are thrown out of their own countries, they start having synagogues. So the synagogue system is during the, kept, uh, um, during the ousting of the land that, be, that becomes built. Uh, and we saw a beautiful picture of that um, uh, in the video there. But also, who could have a synagogue? And so, in the Lord, when Jesus was there, uh, the rule was that where you had ten learned men or students of the law, uh, then then in all these places, uh, you could have a synagogue. So ten learned men, uh, people devoted to studying the law, um, but also it was like I was very like Jerusalem maybe had 500 synagogues I, I thought that was, that's a lot um, and actually the way we do church is kind of modeled after the synagogue model but in the beginning there was only they're only supposed to have one center of worship and that was the temple but after the, the captivity these synagogues come out and it's a way for local uh it's a way for the local people to worship and to be taught and instructed in the law. So Jesus is also going to the synagogues. And he's proclaiming, like uh, in the old uh, medieval movies, like uh, he's a heralding the good news. That the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, that the kingdom was near. Jesus, do, Jesus does that by showing signs and he heals every disease and all the different afflictions that the people have. Matthew is not like Luke, so he uses no time to explain this. There's no right here, there's no talk of who comes. It's not John, it's not this person or this person, this person. Here he just claims that Jesus does all of this and he just heals everyone. You know, what Matthew is actually maybe underscores here is that because of Jesus' ministry of preaching and teaching and healing, his fame spreads. And I think I, I, maybe that was the Syrian part. Yeah. So there. So it spreads all the way to that area as well. 
So Jesus, uh, the, uh, the people that know about Jesus, this is a big area all of a sudden. From being not totally unknown to having lots of people follow. Somebody, somebody estimated that the crowds after this time could be between one and 2,000 people that would come and hear him. That's, that's pretty many people. And it was, it was, and these verses are what is fulfilling what Matthew started with. This is the great light. This is the one that was coming. This is the Davidic king. This is the Messiah. And this is Matthew saying that Jesus is proving himself who he is. And I was like, <laughs> he doesn't explain how it happened. He's like, he healed them all. And then there's no more explanation. What's that? No, there. Okay. So Jesus was showing people what our, what a world restored would look like. So the kingdom of heaven was breaking out because the king was there. He shows that he's the Lord over demons. He shows he's the great physician. He heals the body. He heals physical and mental problems. Jesus showed, and Matthew is asking people to believe in what Jesus did, that he is the Lord of all. And that's what Matthew has been telling us from the beginning. This is the story about Jesus the Christ. The long-awaited Messiah, the coming King, the Lord of alls. The one that even the Gentiles were worshipped at birth. Even going to live among a town where there was Gentiles. As, as Isaiah was saying, it was the Galilee of the Gentiles. The gathering in of not only Jewish people, but all people. Jesus is the king of all people. And the way he chooses his disciple shows that he is Lord of all. He does not just see what's on the outside. He sees what's inside. Those four people were, whore, were fishermen. But Jesus saw that they could spread the gospel of his life, his death, and his resurrection from what we saw in Acts. From Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. But they were just fishermen. And it shows that what Acts also showed us it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not political power, it's not religious power, it's not military power or status. 
but it's what the Holy Spirit does in the people that makes it possible. And so if Jesus gathered around a thousand or two thousand people, but the question for us too is how many were followers? Today and that time, it is easy to gather a crowd. It is harder for people to follow. How can you gather a crowd? Just give them whatever they want. Then you can gather a crowd. Do you, we see the Colosseum in Rome and other places. You see footballs, soccer, football stadiums today. You see all sorts of things. It's easy. You can gather crowds if the product is good enough. But Jesus in picking his disciples is not asking for thousands of people to come be a crowd. No, he's asking for 100% commitment to follow and not be in the crowd. And so you know maybe the next question that will come. Are you in the crowd? Or are you following and imitating Jesus' life? Have you submitted to Jesus 100%? Do you stand like the thousands of people that came because they got what they wanted? Peter, Andrew, John, and James, they immediately followed Jesus. They did that before they saw the signs and healings. What about you? Have you responded to Jesus' call? Or is it, ah, not right now. I just have to do this or or maybe you're like no he doesn't want me well that is not true because of these verses from Corinthians and so it's some it's some that I use often but I think they're so good <laughs> um, normally we use them for like just the pot just above is about being an ambassador for Christ and but here Paul is writing For our sake, God made Jesus uh, to be sin, although he had no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then we appeal to you. So Paul's like, he's appealing to people. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So it's just if you're sitting out there in here and you're like, well, Jesus can't really use me. He hasn't chosen me. Well, I'll say Paul, I'll say Paul is saying something different and Jesus says something different. We see in his life, in his death, the resurrection, that he's the Lord, Lord God, King of all. And the call is to come, like he said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn around, come follow. 
don't follow just because everybody else does. Don't just be part of the crowd. No, become a disciple where you're 100% committed and you follow Jesus. So, are you following Jesus? If not, why not? If you are following, how are you following? What does it look like daily? How are you encouraged in that walk? When is it difficult? When is it hard? That's why we come together to encourage one another. So if you're doubting today if Jesus has called, has a call for you to come and follow, well, it says, repent and come follow. Paul says it here too. It's today that you make this decision and follow. Is Jesus your Lord, God, and Savior? Is he the Christ? Is he, is he in your understanding, not just in your mind, but in all of, who you, all of your life? The one that commands everything we choose to do. For you who was like, yes, yes, I have done that many times. I have been committed 100% for many, many years. Well, that's a part of to rejoice and be like, yes, God has chosen me to follow just like he did with Paul and Peter. And the, no, no, the other guys, James and John and Peter. And so to rejoice in that, to hold on to that, to be reminded all the time that I want my mind to be renewed daily so I am submitted to Jesus' life, to follow him, to do what he did, to worship him, the one true living God, to give us courage and strength and joy to follow by the power of the Holy Spirit that our lives will continue to give glory to God. Ending comments and prayer. Uh, so that was kind of at where it ended. So I think some of the things is like, well, first of all, how do you respond to Jesus? How do you respond when he says, come follow? Are you 100% committed to him? But also, following Jesus, the, these people are later be called later going to be called disciples. So we can use all sorts of words for being a Christian or something, and sometimes it goes up and down with what you call them, call or what we call ourselves. But the question would be like, are we following, are we wanting to be Jesus' disciple where we give ourselves over to the things that he teaches and not to other things? Matthew shows us all the time how Jesus fulfills the prophecies of being the Messiah, of being the coming Savior. And he continues to show us how, how Jesus does that. So the call for us is to remember that, to rejoice in that. If you already believe, if you don't already believe, I would ask you to consider what Paul says, today is the day of salvation. You are asked 
to come and follow Jesus. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for thank you so much for the book of Matthew. Thank you for Jesus, thank you for what you did in Matthew's life, turning his life upside down. I don't know. Thank you, God, for giving him the wisdom and and Holy Spirit guiding him the right for us so we can see who you are, Jesus. Lord, I ask for all of us who know that you would keep day by day reminding us who you are, Jesus. That we're remembering the call to follow you. Giving us the strength and the courage to give everything up to follow you. And do it with rejoicing, knowing that you are the one true living God, the creator of all things, and and the one who fulfilled all the prophets and the the one who gathered in the Gentiles. And Lord, I ask for each person, just for the person who's out there in here, just I mean, they don't know if this is from you for you, they they don't know if it's real call, they don't know if it's what they should do with their lives is to follow you, Jesus. Asked by the Holy Spirit, you would break their hearts and encourage them to hear your voice. It says, come follow. And regenerate them, renew them, Holy Spirit, we ask. So we thank you for this time of worship together. Um, may you be honored and glorified also in the time we'll eat together. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so you may stand up and receive the benediction and uh, definitely don't run away today because Arnold has made great food for us. Huh? Oh, Sadie, yes, I see he was frying the onions. Uh, all right, so now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. The last note is, I always try to encourage you. I also try to challenge you. If you need to pray with somebody, Lee's here, I'm here, Kylie's here. You can also turn to the person next to you and, hey, can you pray with me? Um, Do that before you just, uh, um, if you feel like you need to do that, do that or ask somebody to pray with you. So, you're welcome to do that. And then uh, Arnold will bless us with some great food.